All right, so let's get into it. Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. There's a reason why I'm putting up this part of the story again about Nuri Martinez. Let's get into it. Once again, Hard Talk Radio, live in 4K. You know, um, with Gascon, I'm surprised he's not kicked off. Um, He's not forced to resign himself because of Gascon. A lot of those gang members are uh, just, you know, going into prison and coming out. It's a revolving door. Gascon is a walking, talking bail reform in L.A. And the gang members praise him. That's how that's how terrible he is. When the criminals praise a public official, that's a problem. They're supposed to hate you, not supposed to love you. Okay? Now here's her resignation letter. Okay. 
Okay, let's let's just read that. All right. It is with a broken heart that I resigned my seat for Council District 6, the community I grew up in and my home. When I ran in 2013, I wanted to see a change in my community and fight for my neighbors. That is what it's been all about. No one expected me to win, but with the support of residents throughout the district, I overcame that challenge and won the seat for Council District 6. I had the honor of serving in the role of a lifetime, being the representative for my neighbors. Over the last nine years, I've got the honor of working with communities across Los Angeles to fight for policies that uplift working families, for the families that can't make it out of poverty, struggling every day. You are the reason why I get up in the morning and do what I do, to represent and fight for the people who don't have a choice, to the workers, housekeepers, nannies, to the people who get up to ride the bus working in the morning. You have the backbone of our community, of our city throughout this pandemic. But you are the backbone long before I went to work for you. You have been my mission and my guiding principle. The nannies, housekeepers. Who are usually the nannies and the housekeepers? Latinas, Hispanics. She ain't talking about blacks. It's very rare that you'll have a black nanny, okay? It's very rare. Very rare you'll have black housekeepers. She's talking about Hispanics. That she didn't care about blacks. She always was for Hispanics. You read right through this. Okay. That's what it's about with her. Okay. And that's the that that is the sad part. Okay. The last Almost three years have been unimaginably difficult. When I was elected president of the council, I served for three months before the pandemic came crashing down. As for the first Latina council president, I strive to serve with compassion to give a larger platform to the communities I felt had been left behind. You mean only your own. I don't hear nothing about apologizing here. Okay, this is like my time served. This council has made a difference. She talks about being the first Latina. Where's the apology here? This council has made a difference in the lives of millions across the city. We launched the largest renters relief program in the nation, brought equity in our city's budget, created tenant protections, pushed for equality for women in the workforce, worked to phase out to um, the phase out of oil, created a new department around families and community investment, created the largest guaranteed basic income program in the country, launched a new homeowner program, fought for human trafficking victims, and so much more. I counseled in. In Council District 6, we plan to revitalization of the Spivaldita Basin and the Van News Civic Center. We distributed thousands of boxes at our monthly food and diaper giveaways, rented out laundry mats for families in need, and led the way in building housing for our homeless neighbors in the valley. I want to know how come you have so many homeless people in L.A. that are black. I want to know that. Okay? I would like to know that. To my constituents serving you has been a privilege and one that I don't give up lightly. You are my neighbors, my friends, and the reasons of the service. I hear, I see no apology to blacks. <coughs> Throughout these nine years, we have been able to work together to fix our parks, our streets, our sidewalks, and improve the overall quality of life for our neighbors. I hope you stay engaged and continue to fight for your fair share of the city's resources. It's hard to say goodbye, but please know 
that I was in this fight for you. To my colleagues, I have had a hard couple of years, and I know this is the work hasn't. This is ridiculous, man. No apologies. No apologies to what you said about blacks. None. But here we have another person who's also fake. Okay. We also have, you know, he, he's the president, and we also know he's fake, and he takes this time to uh, virtual signal. Sleepy Joe himself. Let's see what he got to say. And the leaked recording of her using racist remarks to describe uh, a colleague's black son. Uh, she said today she's taking a leave of absence, uh, but there are others, um, Senator Padilla, Mayor Garcetti, who called for her to resign. Has the president followed this? Does he have a reaction to yes, what's going on? Yes, he's followed this. Uh, spoke to him about it uh, yesterday. Uh, look, the president is glad to see that one of the participants in that conversation has resigned, uh, but they all should. He believes that they all should resign. The language that was used and tolerated during that conversation was unacceptable, and it was appalling. Uh, they should all step down. And here's the difference between Democrats... It's called the pot calling the kettle black. You want to talk about resignation, Biden should resign because he's betrayed this country over and over again, sending billions of dollars to Ukraine. White supremacy. Biden supports white supremacy, and you still have black Democrats supporting Biden. It's like supporting the Klan. You're supporting Hitler, actually. Supporting Joe Biden is like supporting Adolf Hitler. Okay? And it's the irony and the hypocrisy of him calling for them to resign when you need to resign yourself. U.S. military weapons, you know, supplies are extremely at an old time low because of Joe Biden. Democrats and, and MAGA Republicans, when a Democrat says something racist or anti-Semitic, we would we we hold that. We hold Democrats accountable. When a MAGA Republican says something Do you? You hold Democrats accountable? Nah, no, you don't. No, you don't. Democrats had a, a bill to study if blacks need reparations. Descendants of slavery, blacks. You, you had to, a bill for a study. No, 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 no. You don't hold each other accountable. Uh, racist and or anti-Semitic, they are embraced by cheering crowds and become celebrated and sought after endorsements. Senator Tuberville not forget this just happened uh saying black people uh commit crimes doug mastriano attacking his opponent in pennsylvania governor's race for sending his children to a jewish day school the president used to say and i quote the president right now quote hate never goes away it only hides but lately it's just one in the it's one in the open at these extreme maga Rallies. It's just out. Pardon me. It's just out in the open at these extreme MAGA rallies. End quote. Okay. 
I don't believe that at all. Democrats are just as racist as Republicans. It's just a different way of doing it. Democrats don't support the Democratic Party does not support reparations. They'll have a study for it, but they ain't going to give you reparations. They'll give you a boulevard with your name on it or the name of your loved one who gets gunned down by gun violence, but they're not going to give you reparations. They'd rather, you know, eat fried chicken and hold hot sauce and say, I'm down with the black community. That's what they would do. Or they'll say something like, if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Or have a advertisement, no fucking, no voting, no fucking, or get your booty to the poll. You don't vote for me, you ain't black. Did you hold Joe Biden accountable for that? No. No, no, no. And more of the uh, Democratic pedo agenda. This is what's this is what's going on now. Here we go. Eighth year, eight year old girl withdrawn from Florida school for this. This is this is what's this is what's went down. A homework assignment for a Florida girl has a lot of people asking, how did this happen? So take a look here. This is a picture of the assignment. It says clearly, send a photo of you doing reading homework in the bathtub. Well, the parents of an eight-year-old said that they told their daughter she would not participate in this. They even noted it directly on the homework assignments. Now, the instructions do say cover up your kid. Still, the parents say when they called the school administrators, they said, we have been sending this homework assignment out for years, and you're not the only one complaining about it. The parents later asked police who said they should not part. Hold up. What? Let me wind that back. Let me wind that back. We have been sending this homework assignment home for years, and you're the only one complaining about it. Wow. And this is a Christian school. Wow. We've been sending this homework assignment out for years, and you're not the only one complaining about it. The parents later asked police, who said they should not participate, and then the girl's mother got a phone call from the school. Victory Christian Academy. Remember that. Victory Christian Academy. Well, the family says that girl was indeed withdrawn from the Victory Christian Academy in Jacksonville. That is infuriating. Okay, that. that. I mean, how? How, how how do you how do you do that? How how do you 
allow sick people in charge. How, how did this is all Joe Biden? Ever since he got in office, they've been doing this for years. I, I don't. I can't even say it's Joe Biden's fault. This is something that's been going on for years. It's crazy. And I wonder if those other parents who take their kids to that school, are they taking their kids out once this story has been made public? I wonder. Because we have a serious, a serious pedo problem in America. And it's very, very scary. We also have a corruption problem now, as we're going to see with a LAPD officer that was killed and he was investigating a fellow officer. Let's take a look. Attorneys for the family of LAPD officer Houston Tipping, who was killed in a training exercise in May, are filing a new or supplemental claim against the city of Los Angeles later on today. Attorneys also say they hope to show new videos of the training that the late officer went through. Tipping's family claims he had been beaten to death by other officers in the training drill. An autopsy finds he suffered a fatal spinal cord injury during a fall while he was acting as a class instructor. Hmm. You want to know what uh what he was investigating? I'll show you. This is what he was investigating. LAPD officer who was killed by colleague he reported over gang rape had history of whistleblowing and friends of the sergeant he got fired for bringing chocolate penis into work where when he died when where they where they were when he died the LAPD officer who died in a, in a mysterious routine training accident in May had a history of whistleblowing in one incident Houston Tipping got a sergeant fired for lying about an internal affairs investigating involving a chocolate penis. Tipping, 32, was a five-year veteran with the LAPD and worked with the department's bicycle unit. Wow. Well, you have the LAPD, you have the LA Sheriff's Department and they're crooked. I don't, I don't, think it was a smart idea to still stay if you're whistle if you're a whistleblower in LA police department. <clears throat> Apple don't fall far from the tree. He suffered a fatal spinal cord injury after he fell down while holding another officer in a bear hug grappling exercise on May 26th at the police academy in what a coroner rules was an accident. Coroner rule is an accident. According to an LAPD report, tipping last words were I can't breathe. In a previous incident, Tipping had been involved in an internal affairs investigation that involved a fellow officer bringing a chocolate penis to work as a joke. 
During the investigation, tipping revealed that the sergeant had lied to the internal affairs about the joke. As a result, the sergeant was fired. Gag said the following, the sergeant's friends were not happy. Gage says that the friends of the sergeant were also present at the fatal training exercise, according to attorney Brad Gage. Yeah, they wanted him dead. Gage told the DailyMail.com exclusively that the rape that Tipping was investigating occurred in a house in Northbridge, California in June of 2021. At that time, Tipping wrote a report on the rape. During the incident, the woman said that she had a massage tool placed in her vagina. Gage said he added that during the alleged rape, the officers were all in uniform and that the victim was able to name three of the four seeing their names on their badges. One of the cops were was present during the training accident. One of those cops was present during the training accident. He said that the initial report on the incident did not mention a rape, nor did it mention that some of those involved were police officers. Gage was that it was two lines long and referred to the incident as merely an attack. It wasn't until Tipping began investigating the incident that the allegations of rape became apparent. In Tipping's report, the victim said that she was raped by four police officers. All right, let's see what his lawyer had to say. My thing is this, why would you, if you know you've been, you have a history of whistleblowing, why couldn't you be a little smarter, try to investigate outside of the police department? Why, why try and investigate when you're in the police department and your life is not protected? You're not safe. 
That's all I have to ask. Yeah, but Serpico was smart. Serpico didn't stay in the police department. He knew he had to get on. He had to travel. He had to get the hell away from them because he was he was dealing with snakes. Tipping decided to still do the investigation being around snakes. Not smart. This guy was not smart. I'm sorry. I'm just... He wasn't smart at all. I'm sorry. He was just extremely reckless. <clears throat> he he should have he should have been smarter. I, I'm sorry. You're investigating one of your own doing some doing a heinous crime like this. What's wrong with you? Okay. It, it just. It just, it was just suicide. It was suicide. It's a stupidity here. The training simulation involved, this, all right, the training involved the simulation of being attacked by a mob, the LAPD's official report. Tipping was playing the role of the suspect attack, attacking an officer mounted on a bike. The report said that Tipping was struck with a fat, with a foam baton and dropped to one knee to simulate a strike with a real baton. From there, the officer Tipping then lifted the officer the student officer from the ground and a student's officer's arm went around Tipping's neck, wrapping to around Tipping's neck and throat. The report continued as the two fell to the floor. Tipping's neck remained in the grasp, in that grasp. According to that report, when his fellow officers realized that Tipping was struggling to speak, paramedics were called. First aid efforts began. The official, the official cause of death was the consequence of severe cervical spinal cord injury and ruled an accident. He died on May 29th, three days after the, the exercise took place. His mother alleges he was really struck in the head severely enough that he bled during the training activity according to the new documents. In the documents that move, the move that Tipping found himself in was akin to a pile driver type action. In addition to the spinal injuries, Gage says that Tipping suffered the broken ribs, a liver la laceration, multiple head injuries, including a hemorrhage at the back of his head. LAPD has denied that Tipping suffered head injuries. The autopsy found Tipping suffered broken ribs that suggested the use of a Lucas device, an automatic CPR machine suggesting that there were attempts to revive him. The speaking to the press conference on October 4th, Gage 
said the problem with that is other medical reports show that the Lucas device was never used. He has also raised questions as to why no security footage was available. He said LAPD claims there was no evidence taken of the training this day. We don't believe that's accurate. In the press conference, Gaze explicitly stated that he believed that there was a cover-up involving Tipping's death. Of course, the guy was inv investigating a gang rape caused by four officers that could be identified. Of course, this was a setup. I don't know, man. It's just, I'm sorry. It's just the tipping was not. He was not smart in this situation. He wasn't. I don't care what anybody says. I'm not being mean. If you are investigating a gang rape from committed by fellow officers, you need to be on the outside. You need to be far away from them as possible. Okay. Let's get into this story right here. I'm seeing a similar thing with She-Hulk. All right. You make a movie, you're not catering to a specific audience. Your movie bombs or your TV show bombs, and now you want to blame straight you want to blame straight people for this. You go woke, you go broke. You keep bang banging your head against the wall, but not listening. Billy Insher now blames homophobia for failed movie bros. Comedian Billy Insher's movie Bros has highly has been a highly publicized bomb despite glowing reviews from the critics, paid critics. For the second time since its release, Insher is trying to sh shift the blame for the film's failure. This time he's pointing to homophobia. Because blame has to be placed somewhere, right? After the movie's opening weekend, Insher blamed straight people for the uh, alphabet rom-coms anemic opening weekend. Straight people are to blame for the opening weekend box office failure of Bros movie. At least that's the opinion of the movie's star co-writer Billy Ensher. Bros centers around the love between two men and a members of the alphabet community. We're, last, we're cast in every role. <clears throat> members of the alphabet community were cast in every major role. Maybe that's the problem here. But people weren't exactly rushing to theaters. They weren't because you didn't think about, you didn't think this through. What type of demographic should see this movie? And maybe if you, you know, made the movie without it being forced on people, if you're giving a forced vibe, okay, no one wants to see the movie. Okay, just like it came with other movies that were forced. Okay, like Woman King, movie bombed. Okay, TV show, She Hulk, it's bombing. Nielsen ratings are terrible. Okay, because instead of sticking to the demographic you're trying to reach, which if you're doing She Hulk, you gotta be catering to the men. Men are the ones that watch action films, action movies, comic book movies. Women watch comic book movies with action in it. They don't watch woke crap. Okay? Igna talked about the film at the New York Festival last week, and while he conceded part of the reason for the poor box office performance was an audience preference for streaming, still blames homophobia. 
Homophobia is the bigger problem than how it pertains to this silly rom-com, he said. But I do think it's a factor. Yes, in certain parts of the country, I think it was the factor, he said. So basically, these woke people want to strap people in chairs and have their eyes, lids, you know, forced open like clockwork orange and force them to watch things that they don't want to watch. Though, to be honest, we were really we really didn't make the movie for homophobes anyway. Okay, this is a rated R alphabet rom-com. It was never intended as a movie to try to convince people who don't like gay people that we're normal, soft and cuddly and okay to love. The reason people didn't see bros wasn't homophobia. It was because most of the population can't relate to it or has no interest in it. That's the thing. If you make something that is not any interest to the consumer, guess what? You're going to face some consequences. You make a product that is not appealing to the majority of the population, you are going to pay for it. That's it. This is ironic because that's the same reason he made it. That was a stupid decision. You wasted your money. Everyone talks about representation in media, and the reason for that is that under-representation groups can't see themselves in the movies, books, and TV shows being churned out regularly. All right, that's fair. So when you make a movie intended to hold a mirror to a fraction of the population, why is it a surprise that the vast majority of the population has no interest in it? Because it's a fraction of the population. It'd be if Itcher made a movie about cricket and then wondered why no one in the U.S. wants to see it. Because no one in the U.S. plays plays cricket. Dude, none of us are into cricket. It's not our bag. That's why ultra-liberal Hollywood studios didn't make a gay rom-com a la bros for so long. It inherently lacks the mass appeal that they look for in projects. Dun, dun, dun. But shouldn't people who like good movies be turning out to see, turning out for what has been a critically acclaimed film? But they aren't. And I think that's because people can sense something is off with reviews. Of course, because if people, if the, the ratings show that people didn't come to see the movie, but you got critics saying it's a great movie, you already know those critics are bought and paid for. Just like the ones for Woman King. Billy Extra is a funny dude. That's not even up for debate. The remote... The remotes he used to do for Conan were fantastic. So there's no doubt that the guy could make a funny movie. However, I'm amazed that this movie isn't getting the rave reviews that it is. Yet still, no one is going to see it. On Rotten Tomatoes, richer scale of the movie, World Bros has an 89% from both critics and audiences. That's a solid showing. I don't believe that. If critics are given genuine reviews, which given their track record, they probably weren't. Maybe is Maybe it is that but my theory is that the majority of the critics' audiences would, wouldn't dare give the movie a bad review for fear of being labeled a homophobe by someone like Billy. Nobody's afraid of these woke comedians, alphabet comedians. No one's afraid of them. Okay? We don't care. If it sucks, it sucks. That's it. That's why I gave up going to movies, okay, because of the um, constant alphabet agenda. So, um, U.S. recession is supposed is supposed to be coming in the six to nine months. Everybody ready for that, right? We're all ready for that, huh? Huh? Let's go check it out.
the pandemic and then the war in Ukraine, this new decade is clearly off to a bad start and things could get worse. In recent months, we have been reporting about the risk of a recession. And with every passing day, the projections are getting more grim. Tonight, we will talk about the US economy. Yes, the world's largest economy is flashing warning signs. Here's today's headline. The head of one of America's biggest banks has spoken out. Jamie Dimon thinks that a US recession is only a matter of time. He had a simple message for everyone. This is serious. What is Dimon worried about? Runaway inflation, sharp interest rate hikes, and the war in Ukraine. All these will push the United States into a recession. And the world will feel the impact. Yes, the pain of an American recession will be felt worldwide. What does this mean for you and me? In the next few minutes, we will discuss. First, let's scratch the surface a bit and tell you what is really happening to the US economy. The mood is certainly not optimistic. Let's tell you why. Some Hold on one minute. Surveys came out recently. Nearly 7 in 10 Americans say they are worried about a recession. 4 in 10 say they are not prepared financially to handle one. That is, if a recession hits before the end of 2023. Even the business world is concerned. More than 8 out of 10 CEOs anticipate a recession during the next 12 months. KPMG conducted an audit. It spoke to more than 1,300 CEOs of the world's largest companies. 73% believe an economic downturn will disrupt growth. About 39% of the CEOs have implemented a hiring freeze. And 46% are considering downsizing their employee base. But what's driving them? The U.S. economy is shrinking. The GDP of the United States is shrinking. Between January and March this year, growth stood at 1.6%. In July, it fell to 0.6%. So the contraction is apparent. Wall Street is going through a bad phase. The S&P 500 closed its third quarter at its lowest level in almost two years. NASDAQ has already dropped nearly 33% so far this year. Dow Jones has lost more than 20%. The impact of the downturn is already trickling down to the citizens. U.S. mortgage rates have more than doubled in the last year. You already know what that means. Millions of Americans who wanted to buy homes will not be able to afford one. Why should we all care? That was talked about. That was talked about that the real estate housing, I think it was going to come in January of 2023 this year that, you know, it was going to be very hard. The real estate market is going to be, it's going to be disaster. Okay. Let's look at China. China's dealing with that Shanghai. They're dealing with real estate problems right now. 
just a bunch of empty buildings. About any of this. Because if America goes into recession, the world will feel the pinch. I am not saying this. Well-renowned global experts are. Consider what a top UN official had to say about the possibility of a recession in America. If a financial shock in the U.S. is triggered, there is no limit to the downside. The U.S. ultimately had the policy space to shore up both its economy and its financial system if it finds the political appetite for more bailouts. But most countries in the world, especially in the South, have no real safety net. Let me simplify this for you. Our world is interconnected. So once the recession gets triggered in the US, it will put pressure on the global economy. America might be in a position to finance a bailout of the corporate world, but the rest of the world is not. There is a serious debt burden on many developing countries. Again, the United Nations is sounding an alarm about this. Here is another UN report. At least 54 developing economies are suffering from severe debt problems. They represent 18% of the global population. Over 50% live in extreme poverty. How big is this debt pile? There are some estimates. The developing world owed over $11 trillion in 2021. That is the big risk. On one hand, you have shortages and inflationary pressures. On the other, a massive debt pile. Even the International Monetary Fund is concerned about the present situation of the global economy. World economy is like ship in choppy waters. We need all the wisdom we can muster to steady the ship and navigate through what lies ahead. In less than three years, we live through shock after shock after shock. First, COVID, then Russia's invasion of Ukraine and climate disasters on all continents. These shocks have caused immense harm on people's lives. Their combined impact is driving a global surge in prices, especially on food and energy, causing a cost of living crisis. And dealing with them is made harder by geopolitical fragmentation. Geopolitical fragmentation. That is the biggest challenge right now because a divided world is putting the global economy at risk. Here is an example of that. The great power rivalry between the US and China is intensifying and it could affect your next gadget purchase. America has announced sweeping changes to export rules. Chip sales to China are being restricted. Companies would need to now get a license to sell certain kinds of chips to China. A ban has also been put in place. U.S. firms will not be able to sell chips 
for supercomputing and artificial intelligence to Chinese companies. Beijing is unhappy about Washington's moves. Out of the need to maintain its SciTech hegemony, the United States abuses export control measures to maliciously block and suppress Chinese companies. This practice deviates from the principle of fair competition and violates international economic and trade rules. It will not only damage... We have so much problems right now. You have Taiwan that has their semiconductors that we need, okay? The world needs that. And you decide to put sanctions on chips for China for business trade. Biden sure is doing a job to aggravate people around the world, other nations, especially ones like China. And China has bought up parts, have bought up many businesses in America. United States government owes China a debt. So he's making some real, the American government is making some really, really dumb moves right now. But I think, like I said, I really think everything that's going on is just to push for World War III, to get all these other nations fed up to attack America. The legitimate rights and interests of Chinese companies, but also affect American companies' interests. Chips are everywhere these days. In your smartphones, your tablets, your cars, even medical devices, China is still at the center of tech manufacturing. According to one estimate, around 90% of the world's electronics come from Shenzhen. Before the pandemic, just one city in China supplied to the world. The American chips ban could dramatically change that number. Less supply could come through China, and that could mean your gadgets, at least temporarily, get a little more expensive. That's what he's trying to do. That is what he's trying to do, man. U.S. government crazy. They're trying to really put the pinch on everybody. This recession is coming. It's going to be brutal. It's going to be brutal. But since she was talking about Ukraine and Russia, let's see what's going on here. What Mr. Putin got to say. All right. Fair use, fair use, where I'm about to go. Fair use. To 24 hours trending news. All world infrastructure at risk of terror attacks. Vladimir Putin makes veiled threat after Nord Stream gas pipeline blasts as Britain vows to give Ukraine Fair rockets use. to defend its cities. Vladimir Putin has made a veiled threat suggesting that all energy infrastructure in the world is a legitimate military target after the Nord Stream pipeline explosion last month. The authoritarian leader said the blast in the gas pipeline, which Western intelligence agencies have blamed on his own country, was a terrorist attack and this has set the most dangerous precedent. Speaking at an energy forum in Moscow yesterday, the Russian president warned that any critically important object of transport, energy, or utilities infrastructure is under threat. 
In a hidden jab aimed at the West, he suggested that this applied no matter where the infrastructure resides or who manages it. It comes as nations in Europe try to get set for a tough winter that is set to be dominated by surging energy prices and potential gas shortages brought on by Putin's illegal war in Ukraine and the subsequent damage to the Nord Stream pipeline. Despite the threat, Britain has promised to continue its support of Ukraine and has promised to send rockets to defend its cities in the wake of Russian barges that killed at least 19 people and injured scores more earlier this week. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky had called for more help with his country's air defense after the latest attacks and the UK seemed set to answer by sending Amram rockets capable of knocking out cruise missiles. Putin claimed that the attacks on Monday were aimed at Ukrainian infrastructure. And his veiled threat suggests he might target places farther afield than in the theater of war. It comes after he declared leaks in the Nord Stream pipelines which run from Russia underneath the Baltic Sea to Germany to have been caused by acts of international terrorism. Damage to the pipes was first discovered on September 26 when huge plumes of gas were discovered rising to the sea surface near the Danish island of Bornholm. Less than 24 hours later another leak was discovered in another section of piping. Western intelligence agencies believe the leaks to have been caused by Russian sabotage but Putin has declared there is no doubt it was a terrorist incident. Speaking at the Russian Energy Week International Forum yesterday, Putin said the purpose of the attack is to undermine the energy security of the entire continent. He said, the logic is cynical, to destroy and block cheap energy sources, hence depriving millions of people, industrial consumers of gas, heat, electricity and other resources and forcing them to buy all this at much higher prices. Forcing. He then added a veiled threat, saying, the attack on the Nord Streams has set an extremely dangerous precedent, which shows that any critical piece of transport, energy or communications infrastructure is under threat, regardless of its location, management or whether it lies on the seabed or on land. So Putin is not sparing anything right now. He's basically this man is angry now. He is going to just be a savage. All right. Ukraine thought it was cool to bomb the Crimea bridge. And then you all, the Ukrainians, were happy about it. They sent a Marilyn Monroe video. Happy birthday, Mr. President. I hope you guys like, I hope they like what's coming now. I hope they like it. Putin's latest threats come after a wave of embarrassing defeats for his forces in the ongoing war in Ukraine. His troops have been pushed back. I'm sorry, but I don't know about embarrassing, man. This, this guy's just decimating. They're trying to keep that propaganda going. I'm sorry, this this guy is just making moves and destroying the Ukrainians left and right. All right, this is the last story anyway I'm doing. Now I head to bed. Okay. All world infrastructure is at risk of terror attacks. Vladimir Putin makes veiled threat for the Nord Stream gas pipeline blasts. Britain vows to give Ukraine rockets to defend its cities. You hear all world infrastructure infrastructure is up for grabs, and you still want to support Ukraine. This is this is what I said, man. This is a um. This is just a script. It's a script to have them 
you know, just keep pushing the war, keep poking the bear, keep poking the bear until you have a nuclear war on your hands. Till every citizen, whether you're from America or Europe or France, you're going to suffer because of these new world order elites. <clears throat> Vladimir Putin has made a vile threat suggesting that all energy structure, infrastructure in the world is a legitimate military target after the Nord Stream pipeline explosion last month. Authoritarian leader said, <clears throat> excuse me, that in that the blast in the gas pipeline, which Western intelligence agencies have blamed on his own country, was a terrorist attack. And this has set the most dangerous president. Yeah, because it's stupid to think that Putin would want to blow up his own gas pipeline. He wouldn't do that. Why? He's come on. Speaking at an energy forum in Moscow yesterday, the Russian president warned that any critical that any critically important object of transport, energy, or utilities infrastructure is under threat. This is, oh man. In a hidden jab aimed at the West, he suggested that this applied to apply no matter where the infrastructure resides or who manages it. It comes as nations in Europe try to get a set of set up for a tough winter that is set to be dominated by surging energy prices and potential gas shortages brought on by Putin's illegal war <laughs> in Ukraine and the subsequent damage to the Nord Stream pipeline. Despite the threat, Britain has promised to continue its support of Ukraine and has promised to send rockets to defend its cities in the wake of Russia barrages that killed at least 19 people and injured scores more earlier this week. Why did that happen? Why did that happen? Because he blew up the Crimea Bridge. Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky had called for more help with his country's air defense after the latest attacks. The UK seems to answer by sending Aram rockets capable of knocking out cruise missiles. That's oh boy. Ben Wallace vows to give Ukraine rockets and defended cities. Uh, whole clown, a whole clown. You just don't care about your people trying to get oil this winter. That's it, really. I want to hear what he has to say. This. New powerful air defense missiles for Ukraine. Why not the actual air defense systems that they need so badly? Is it because of the lack of supply? No, they'll join the American systems that they're putting in. They're the same type of missiles, so they'll complement that and they'll just really, really augment the American sort of platforms and the those the missiles they'll use. Today, uh, you know, the NATO meeting is all about making sure we are ready for anything. I mean, that is the job of this alliance, is to make sure that the 30 partners together are ready for what is thrown at us, and we have to continue work at that. And so exercising is part of that readiness. But including a nuclear attack by Russia in Ukraine, like how would the NATO respond to that? Well, I'm not going to uh, speculate. I mean, the, the, the fundamentals are NATO is a, an alliance of all types, conventional and nuclear powers, and, and fundamentally we are here to make sure our readiness is for whatever is thrown at us. Okay, you don't care about your people. You're all fighting somebody that has nukes, somebody that doesn't 
is not woke. His empire is uh, military is strong. He has mercenaries on his side. He has people willing to die for him. They see the threat of white supremacy, Nazis. Okay, and that's why Putin is fighting. Okay, because he sees the evil fascist Nazi white supremacy that's infesting Ukraine. And the fact that Ukrainians, you know, there are Ukrainians that want to be, join Russia, Ukrainian military and other organizations within Ukraine are killing them, beating them up, jailing them, because they dare to not want to be under the dictatorship, dictatorship of Zelensky. Yet Putin is the enemy. Okay. All right. See what Vladimir Putin got to say. Let me um play it back because this is going to be another stream. Hold on a minute. So I could, I'll read to you the subtitles. The world economy. Hold on, can't. The world economy and the fuel energy complex are experiencing, frankly speaking, an acute crisis because of unstable, imbalanced supply and demand, as well as outright. Hold on a minute. Outright subversion by certain market players who are guided solely by their own geopolitical ambitions. They resort to outright discrimination in the market, and if that fails, simply destroy the competitor's infrastructure. In this case, I'm referring to the sabotage of Nord Stream 1. There's no doubt. Hold on one second. It's going too, too, too fast. Nord Stream 1 and Nord Stream 2 gas pipelines. There's no doubt that this was an act of international terrorism. The goal is to undermine the energy security of an entire continent. And its logic is cynical. To destroy and block sources of cheap energy. Deprive millions of gas, heat. The electricity and other resources and force them to buy it at all other higher prices. Highly unlikely we are understanding everything is clear, who's behind all of that, and who profits from it. It is indeed now impossible to force European countries stronger into buying greater quantities of liquefied natural gas, which is inferior in competitive terms to Russian pipeline gas. U.S. LNG prices are much higher. Everyone knew that before and even now. Yep. And that's why I believe that uh, the U.S. had a, had, a, had a hand in blowing up that, uh, that pipeline, Nord Stream 1. Who else is to profit from it? Okay. Putin claimed that the attacks on money were aimed at Ukrainian infrastructure and he yields their threats suggest he might be he might target places farther afield 
than in the threat in the theater of war. It comes after he's declared leaks in the Nord Stream 1 pipelines, which run from Russia's underneath the Baltic Sea to Germany. It has been caused by acts of international terrorism. Damage to the pipelines was first discovered on September 26, when huge plums of gas were discovered rising to the sea surface near the Danish island of Borohom. Less than 24 hours later, another leak was discovered in another section of the piping. Western intelligence agencies believe the leaks to have been caused by Russian sabotage, but Putin declared there's no doubt it was a terrorist incident. Speaking at the Russian Energy Week International Forum, Putin said the purpose of the attack is to undermine the energy security of the entire continent. All right. All right, I already read that part. I already read that. I already read that. Um, The attack for, for which Ukraine has not taken responsibility was a slap in the face for the president. And as it's critical, yeah, about the, um, <clears throat> all right, let me, I'm getting a little too ahead of myself. Hold on one second. Because I don't want to reread what I just read in that um, little uh, video clip. Okay. He said the logic is cynical. Yeah, yeah, I read that part. Uh, okay. He then added a threat saying the attack on Nord Stream 1 has set an extremely dangerous precedent, which shows that any critical piece of transport, energy, or communications infrastructure is under threat, regardless of its location, management, or whether it lies on a seabed or land. Putin's latest threats come from a wave of embarrassing defeats for his forces in an ongoing Ukraine war. I don't know, man. I'm I'm sorry. He, he oof, American propaganda, man. His troops have been pushed back into the counter offenses in the northeastern and southeastern parts of Ukraine, while the key Crimean bridge was crippled after its massive explosion last week. The attack for which Ukraine has not taken responsibility was a slap in the face for the president, as its critical hurt, as it critically hurt supply chains in Crimea, into Crimea incursion, which also damaging what has been a symbol of Russian power. At the forum yesterday, he decided he decried the damage to the bridge as a terrorist attack on the Crimean bridge committed by the Ukrainian intelligence. Guy's gonna get it, man. You guys gonna get it. Here's a truck that reported that um reportedly carried explosives for the Crimea bridge attack. There had been fears he would go nuclear in retaliation, but this was downplayed by the Kremlin, and instead Russia launched its largest barrage of missile and drone attacks on Ukraine cities since the war started in February. Cities including the capital Kiev was targeted by strikes that hit civilian areas, including a railway terminal, a concert hall, and two museums, as well as a power plant. At the fine, President Zelensky declared that Ukraine had managed to shoot down half of the missiles before they landed. By at least 19 people were still killed and dozens more injured, prompting a call for aid. Now NATO allies 
have said hundreds of air defense missiles will be donated along with an additional 18 howitzer artillery guns and hundreds of additional drones. The Aram rockets will work alongside with U.S. Nason's air defense systems and could save hundreds of innocent lives. Last night, Defense Secretary Ben Wallace said Russia's latest indiscriminate strikes on civilian areas warrant further support to those seeking to defend their nations. These weapons will keep Ukraine defend its skies from attacks and strengthen their overall missile defense alongside U.S. Nason's. I just wonder about uh, I wonder about America. That's all I'm thinking about is America. What's going to happen with America when they get attacked? Because, like I said, the military weapons running low. Ukraine's police show aftermath of shelling in Slovenic. You guys started it. Don't get me wrong. I feel bad for people being hurt and killed every, um, you know, on either side. But the reality is you guys are a Nazi country and Nazis joining NATO. No, 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 no. You have a dangerous ideology and that has to be stomped out. Okay, but look, okay, I get what's happening here. All right, but you guys are whites. You guys have white supremacy in your military. Okay, you guys are very pro white, pro, uh, you have a history of racism, a strong history of white supremacy. Check out Oliver Stone's Ukraine Under Fire, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Do some also some research, okay? The Buffalo shooter, right? Hold on one second. I don't know how this come up. All right. The Buffalo shooter, right? He was influenced by white supremacist ideology. The black sun, the Nazi black sun. Where did that come from? Who is in what country is infested with Nazi ideology? Ukraine. Okay. You 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 know I, I'm sorry. I, I, it's not like I don't feel their pain, but at the same time. You guys don't have a problem killing people of a different ethnic group. That's my thing. That's what you're taught. Look up Stepin Bandana, Bandera, Stepin Bandera. Look up what he believed. He was Ukrainian. Look what he taught the Ukrainian people. UK will give 
10 million to NATO's comprehensive assistance package for Ukraine. The funding will provide winter clothes, shelter, generator, shelters, generators, fuel trucks, and ambulance for the Ukrainian army ahead of winter. The defense secretary will urge his alliance, allied, allied counterparts to continue to support Ukraine for as long as it takes. At a series of meetings in Brussels, they will review the implementation of decisions taken at Madrid's summit designed to strengthen NATO's collective deterrence defi- defense. NATO's members will also discuss defense industrial capacity to ensure they can increase munitions and stockpiles to support Ukraine and defend NATO territory. Also on the agenda is the recent sabotage of the Nord Stream pipelines and measures required to safeguard the critical infrastructure of NATO states. NATO has doubled its numbers of ships in the Baltic and North Sea and is about to begin a series of nuclear warfare preparedness exercises. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. It's going to get bad, people. It's going to get bad. But, you know, I can't feel sorry for Ukrainians. I can't. Because, one, like I said, you got your Nazis coming over to the Washington Capitol in the USA and they're getting support by Republicans. Okay? As soon as you guys come over here and you get a good grip in this country, it's going to be it's going to be sad for a lot of minorities. Well, there are some minorities that are accepted as white in this hierarchy of white supremacy. Uh, in America, uh, the Hispanics are looked upon as white. Indians are also looked upon as white. So, yeah, African Americans are definitely, definitely in trouble. Sad to say, a lot of people are blind to this. Even blind to the Republicans supporting this war, supporting Ukraine. Republican Party isn't racist. They freed the slaves. All right. That's all I got for now. Like, share, comment, and subscribe. Later.